The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. I had a meltdown. You know, I'm just dazed and confused. I'm starting to go into shock. It's like, we need to leave. We, we need to just leave this place because we can't win. There's no way we can win with something this fast. Tonight on an all-new Monsterland, a Bigfoot scientist says Bigfoot's real, she's seen him, she's smarter than you, and she's packing heat. We finally get on the road, Ronnie's ectoplasm part deux, the splattering. Our male sacs are bursting, another round of Monster Media, all that and more tonight on Monsterland. Let's go! Welcome to a wicked mystery. A paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness, just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now, here are your hosts. Paranormal author, researcher, and speaker, Ronnie LeBlanc. And the host of The Curse of Oak Island drilling down on the History Channel, Maddie Blake. see my ectoplasm nope well we're gonna see it tonight <laughs> hi ronald what's up matt Theo? uh what a week we had huh it's fun we actually got out to the field that's we gonna did. happen this episode we are gonna get to ronnie's ectoplasm i didn't get to it what's with us going out in the cold every freaking time yeah we, we, you know we like, really should wait for it to get a lot warmer uh it was cold um we well, it, like but that's the thing, living in this part, living in the Northeast, or if you might live in Chicago or the Midwest or anywhere it gets really cold, uh, when there's even a hint of spring, you're like, well, oh, yeah. yeah, let's go. And then you're like, T-shirt, like, let's no, no, go. it's 40 and windy. Like, this sucks. <laughs> this is not nice. But we went out in the field. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Um, we had quite a week because. Uh, yes, do it. Do it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna do. I'm oh, gonna, I'm, come I'm, on! I'm gonna do a Let half go. measure. What do we talk about? No, nope. I know we talk about that was off air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm gonna do a half measure. Okay, that's fine. I want you to do it in somewhat of a measure. That's I'm gonna great. do it a, a giant tease. <laughs> I'm gonna put my toe in the pool. I'm gonna. Uh, all right, enough enough metaphors. Uh, we had quite a week because this podcast. <sighs> Through really no effort of our own, other than the fact that, because I'll be, I'll be honest, I've lost all interest in this podcast. I know it's, <laughs> it's been, it's been very telling. <laughs> no, no, just the opposite. Actually, it's grown in ways that we oh, never thought. Unbelievable. And um, how do I say this? Um, if you have friends that you think might like this podcast, get in now because uh, spread it now, share it now because we have been in talks with. Some people who are in Just the... Just say it. And no, I'm not going to say it. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but Monsterland, you, you might, there might be a visual component to Monsterland very soon. How's that? There might be a visual component to Monsterland, and I ain't talking YouTube. And yeah, I, ain't talking, uh, yeah, I ain't talking Facebook Live. So it was a, my, the reason I bring that up is because I didn't want to be too vague as to, it was a crazy week for us, for you and I, Ronnie. Oh, my God. Up and down. And up like, and down, up. And, and it's a whirlwind. It's very exciting. Now, I've been through some of this shit before. <laughs> Actually, more times than I want to count. Um, of Hence, hence the half measure. Yes. <laughs> right? Well, 
Also mm. because they are mm. because it's not done yet, and I wouldn't want to. I know. I know. L- Get anyone step I, on any toes? Yes, because there are several players involved, and then Correct. you mention something, and then like, what are they talking about? <laughs> and yes, I've been jaded and destroyed by the business. <laughs> I have no soul. I have no humanness left. I love it. I uh, am a shell, and this business has opened me up and destroyed me in every conceivable way. Ask my family. <laughs> Other than that, things are going awesome. <laughs> so, um, yes, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be. I wish that, I that that's gonna be the title of my biography right there. That sound effect. You're gonna open the book. You're gonna get the Maddie Blake biography when I die. Someday. It's like a sound card and from oh, yeah, from Hallmark. It's, it's like the White Album. It has no cover. It has no. It, you're like, what is this? It's oh, the Maddie Blake story. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got signed by an agent and moved to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Then he went to New York City. Surely he'd gain fame and fortune there. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? All right. We've lost Ronnie. We've lost Ronnie. Um, (laughs) I don't know. So anyway, I think we're slapping. And Ronnie's really high. But other than that, uh, Thank you, Sanctuary Medicinals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, listen, so yeah, so this train rolls on. Oh, I want to talk about a couple episodes we have coming up because I'm very excited. Uh, that music episode that we teased two episodes ago, the, Ooh, the music yes. artist episode is coming <clears throat> together, I think, in the next th- three three to four episodes from now, or maybe three, yeah. we're going to have um, professional actors, professional musicians, um, professional artists, uh, on the podcast who've all experienced paranormal activity. And I am seeing it, Ronnie and Dave, as a kind of a, maybe even a two-parter. Like a big Great. episode, Great. a big fat episode, you know, maybe an hour and an hour, just talking to these people and figuring out that connection between the artist and this stuff. I think that's really So we won't do an hour and an hour and make it all one podcast like we normally do? Is that what you're saying? Oh! We, are, we are pretty long. <laughs> I know. I, I brag about it, like I keep a tight ship. I look at the time like 128. What the fuck? Sweet what Jesus. happened? Um, so yeah, so that's coming together. I'm working on that now. Awesome. Uh, had some follow up with the great John Hogg. You did? Yeah. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna make that happen. And um, yeah, and and some acting people and things like that. So we're we're putting that together. Another another huge episode. I'm very excited about Ronnie. You don't even know this. Oh boy! I got confirmation to Nizite on the really? way here. Uh oh. Uh, for all y'all that are into podcasting and into the paranormal, you will know the podcast called the former podcast. Unfortunately, I'm still recovering. The unbelievable podcast. Ah, legendary. Fantastic. Don't, whoa, whoa, whoa. Brian, yes. Fra- Brian Frangie. Yes. He's going to come on this oh podcast and uh, be our guest. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Brian's going to talk about what happened, why maybe he'll give us some more indication of why they wrapped it up. Oh, he can give us some advice. But let's do this, Ronnie, because you and I finally hit the road, froze our asses off. Let's open, or should I say reopen one. Now let's open another Monsterland case file. We talked to a person that we call Tom. And Tom lives in the heart of Monsterland, and he has had a bunch of different experiences happening in and around his house. And we finally got access. We talked about it before. 
it, it kind of happened last second, last minute. And Ronnie and I just got in a car and we drove into Monsterland and we went to Tom's. And he showed us where he had his sightings. He showed us where a bunch of weird things are happening. High strangeness of all kinds are happening around his property. His his property has a there's a vibe in that big time. <laughs> it's like big what time, the and hell? and we had an experience. So we, yeah. and we've got audio and video. So let's get into this. Let's let's do a little reopen this case file of Tom, uh, our friend in Monsterland, who has experienced orbs, UFOs, Bigfoot, uh, some audio anomalies. Some yeah. weird stuff going on. When these on. craft are flying over, if they're listening to the radio, there's like this weird interception and, and, and not like human language, but like just like this weird stuff that they go, what is going on? What is happening? Right. So, all right. So uh, here's Ronnie and I <laughs> finally hitting the road. And this is just a small sample of what we're going to keep doing. But we just kind of, Tom said, finally, because Ronnie's been working him, working him, working him. He said, all right, come over. So we just dove in the car, head to Monsterland. And uh, here we go. So this is, uh, I, I don't even know what this is. I think this is when we first got in the car. Let's see what happens. It is Tuesday, March 12th. Mm-hmm. I'm off to a bad March start. March 12th, 312, baby. Start. Oh, yeah, 3-12. Uh, it's Ronnie and Maddie. We are coming at you from Monsterland. We are in uh, the town of Lemonster, Massachusetts, where all this began, this whole journey began. Now, hold on. You grew up in Lemonster. Born and raised, baby. Why, 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 why'd you need a GPS? Well, that was just more for, like, I didn't even notice a that. fact. Oh, okay. Fact. Oh, you were producing? She, she, she's were... always on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Actually, it's because we were trying to find Tom's house, right? That's right. right, right. Which you had never been to before. Right. And... Uh, let me give you a quick little update, although I'll probably pre-sell all this when we record the podcast. To make- yep, totally did. <laughs> totally <laughs> redundant. Good job, host Maddie. Might want to play that sound effect now, Dave. <laughs> make it. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shut up, both of you. Get doubly, because I always, I just say the same things over and over and over again. I keep setting up the setup. Right. I'm really awful. No, you're not. You're great. All right. Ronnie and I got contacted by quote-unquote Tom. And if you've been listening to us in season one, uh, you know about quote-unquote Tom. It's I literally just said all this. It's a fake name. <laughs> He's a Lemonster resident who's been experiencing orbs, drones, and Bigfoot sightings, and possibly even ghost sightings. Yes. Correct? All right. I was I confused. As we found out when we got there, I can, in full disclosure, I confused uh, witnesses. He he, he yeah, hasn't he, had he hasn't had a, a ghost sighting. There was another witness that had a after Jeff Jeff Meyer like the shadow people. Yes, yes. he had a shadow person and then yep. like a ghost sighting. Right. Yes. And then did he think he saw a Bigfoot too or no? Just orbs and he had the green yeah, lights. That's and the shadow. Jeff. Okay. He thought one of those shadow people could be one of those uh, right. Bigfoot. So you'll have yeah. to forgive me. It was one of the local people who sees freaking tons of things <laughs> and they kind of blended together. You know what I mean? So here we go. Correct. Yes. So we got contacted by him. He was finally willing. I still don't think he's going to talk to us, at least on tape. We have some work to do to convince him to, to talk. So we strategized the entire way there how we yeah. can get him to talk. And one idea I had was we arrive at his house. We do our best to convince him. And if he won't do it, we'll ask him questions and have him type into like Google Translate 
and it would be right. the computer talking. So it'd be like, when's the last time you had a sighting? It was May 15th, whatever. Right. It came off as unintentionally comical. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it, it, it just, yeah. I, 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 you know, so he, he won't, he won't come on camera. Uh, he won't even be like voice. talking about the paranormal with Alexa. Yeah. Yeah. Guys. It just comes <laughs> off humorous, uh, unintentionally humorous, yeah. which would be funny, but I respect him too, you know. Right. And then his wife experienced, which we're going to talk about in a minute, a very significant sighting with him. Yeah. So we figured, oh, perfect. We'll work on the wife. We'll get the right. wife to talk. Right. No, even, no. Even more like, nope. No mas. No. no mas. Which, which is frustrating for us. But to me, it absolutely strengthens the case. Like, uh, Agreed. Because one of the things a critic would say is, well, they're doing it for attention. They're doing it for money. They're doing it for this. They're doing it for that. These guys do not want no. any attention. No. We're lucky they've given us access to just see where it happened and explain to us where it happened and how it happened. And, and quite frankly, they want to get out of where That's they the live. That's the new development. So the new development is when you hear these clips we're about to play, you're not going to hear from... Tom or his wife, but they told us everything, and now, Ronnie, you just found out she wants out. She wants yep. out of there, right? Yep. Holy shit. Too much, I would too. Too much, too much activity that I, we didn't ask for this. Let's move. So I might be buying a house. <laughs> Speaking of disturbing activity, let's go back to the car. Uh, but we are on our way to his house right now. Um, there's been further activity, and so we thought no better time than the present. We keep teasing, uh, you know, getting on the road, getting on the road. Yeah. Uh, so let's do it. Let's do give you guys an example of how we do what. All right. So there we go. We're we're starting now. Um, <clears throat> this is when I discovered, by the way, on the ride, what we uh, another horrible job of hosting <laughs> that I did. What we might. <laughs> You know, Ronnie, it occurs to me as we're almost there at yeah. quote unquote Tom's house. I'll stop saying quote unquote, by okay, the way. Okay, you just say Tom. I just yeah, had a, seriously, I, I got that gets old. My coffee. <laughs> uh, it occurs to me. Yeah, I had had a large coffee. That I did it again last week. What's that? Last week's episode with Jeff Woolwine. Mm hmm. I, in the setup, in my cold open, where I go tonight on an all new Monsterland, and I do my little yeah. scat. My little improv scat. scat. I made allusion to Ronnie's ectoplasm. Oh, yes. Yes. And we never fucking got to your yes. ectoplasm story. <laughs> yes. So Amy, Amy looked at me like, what is he talking about? All right. Apologies, yeah. monsters. I once again said something in the cold open. It's like the third time I've done it. And then we get so into the episode, we don't do it. It's just to see if you guys are listening. That's right. A it's a test. Yeah. It's a quiz. Uh, so, all right. More with this investigation, but we'll get to in this episode, I promise. This is more of a note to myself almost. <laughs> that we will get to Ronnie's ectoplasmic residue. Ectoplasmic residue. Oh my God, that sounds so bad. It does sound. Let's get to it. We're not even high. I don't even. We shouldn't be allowed to drive. We should not. The Commonwealth should not let us on the roads, nor should we be allowed to host a podcast. You realize you're playing clips of yourself and evaluating yourself. I feel like this is like, it's like a it's like a Charlie Kaufman movie I was or just something. Say. This is so meta. Adaptation. Listen to this laugh I do. Where did this come from? I think this is like every cigarette I ever smoked in college, right here. All right, more with this investigation, but we'll get to in this episode. I promise. This is more of a note to myself almost that we will get to Ronnie's ectoplasm. <laughs> 
Whoa! Whoa! You could call dogs uh, so, with that whistle. All right, more with this investigation, but we'll get to in this episode, I promise. This is more of a note to myself almost <laughs> that we will get to Ronnie's ectoplasm. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see a doctor. <laughs> okay. So we're off to a good start. <laughs> the winds of change. Woo! Um, I was actually, all kidding aside though, I was actually kind of nervous. Like I, I go driving to his place, I was nervous because, you know, this is, look, when you and I get together, we have fun and this is how it goes down. But we also take this stuff with witnesses very seriously. Right. Oh yeah. And there's a balance that we're trying to keep yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, like if you can't have fun, then why are you doing it? But um, I was actually kind of nervous going there. Mm. So I think that's why, why I was chatty besides the large coffee you bought me. <laughs> Um, all right. So then we get to his place. And again, this is frustrating because he won't, uh, he won't come. Oh, before that though, let's see, uh, local sites. Um, oh no, we're going to blow that one off. We're going to blow Cause the audio was down on this, but this where is where, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> um, oh yeah, we're going to blow off local sites. Okay. So then. All right, so we get to his house, and he shows us first where he had his Bigfoot sighting. Um, so this is Ronnie and I on the street, and I was – well, let's listen to a little bit about you set it up, and then I'll talk about the – why this is such an incredible sighting. Here we go. So we're here with Tom, um, who's not going to speak with Ronnie. So Tom's standing right with us in his front yard basically right now. Right. Tom's yeah. sighting is – he's standing on this little hill run. Yeah. And that's where he sees – so that telephone pole with that yellow sign is right there, right about and it ran across the street down here, disappeared, and then here is where he saw the orbs right. floating right across here. Again, another hill or mountain. <laughs> so picture this, a guy's front yard, a street going in front of it, and he's in the middle of nowhere. It, he, he, you know, he's on this hill overlooking these valleys and these mountains, and he might as well be, like picture the most rural, deep yeah. woods. You almost think you're in Colorado. Yeah, it feels yeah. like you're in upper Maine or Canada. Right. And his little streak goes right in front of his house. There's a telephone pole with a yellow sign. He was out at four in the morning, as he described to us, is working on some sort of, I think he was doing sprinkler, sprinkler system. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a sprinkler. Yep. looks up. <clears throat> now this is in the midst of all these other weird things that are happening to him. He looks up and standing at that telephone pole uh, is a Bigfoot. And he looked right at its face and he said he just stopped and and the thing ran across the street and he heard the feet pad on the, the street. pads of the feet. He yep. like, it oh, acted the whole thing out for us. It was right. chilling. Yeah. And right behind that is his backyard. You know, where the Bigfoot ran into, there's this big mountain and that's where he saw the orb sighting that we'll talk about in a minute. Right. Meanwhile, there are silent drones flying over his house, and uh, he's got witnesses on that, too. He's got a witness on the orb. He's got a witness on the drones. Um, a, a, a law enforcement official, by the way, who's right. shown his light right on the bottom of the silent drone. Right on the friggin' thing. Flying low. So this is like a uh, – and, and I don't know, Ronnie. I could feel it. Part oh, of it is because when you're with a witness, too, like the the – the look in his eyes when he tells the stories. Oh yeah, it's chilling. Like it happened yesterday. Yes, right. Like his he kept saying, like I, I <clears throat> as he was telling the Bigfoot story, he kept going, like I'm getting the chill. I'm getting the chill. Oh yeah, look, look, I'm, I'm getting the chills. I can't. Even, I don't even like to talk. Think about it. And you're like, whoa, oh. 
Up. Perfect view. And we're at a very high elevation. Yeah, we're already. up. We're up here. So um, another mountain, by the way. Is that <laughs> we had weird? Just, we yep. had just done the episode making right. the equation we, between mountains and UFOs yep. Jeff will, and orbs. Yep. It's unbelievable. So then um, we went up into the forest. We we tracked. Okay. So basically, we found out that his property, <clears throat> uh, besides being right on the, you know, right what we call Monsterland pretty much. Right. Uh, his property also has a huge game trail. And not only that, but the what was the name of the trail? The Mid-State Trail, which is a 92-mile trail that runs through Lumpster State Forest that you can take all the way up to Maine. And uh, a lot of people have theorize that this trail is a migratory trail that Sasquatch has taken. And that, that, that's why they're coming through these certain areas. They're, they're using this trail going all the way up and back and forth. So for you Bigfoot neophytes, any, any you know, Squatcher will tell you that that's a very common thing. Like they'll, they'll go where there's game trails. They'll go where there's food. They'll go where there's water, right? Well, this Northeast game trail, this 90-mile trail that goes, goes right across his property, oh, guess what? Right where he saw the Bigfoot. And it goes up into the woods, <clears throat> this massive trail, and then that where the Bigfoot was running, down to a pond, a body of water. And there's one behind him, too. There's a body of water. Right. So, like, everything fits. It has And we saw deer uh, tracks. We saw right. so much, like, animal sign all over the place. So we walked out to the pole, and we did a kind of finding Bigfoot thing where Ronnie stood at the telephone pole, and we got a height of it which we estimated about six feet based on, you know, because he stood where he was and we had Ronnie go be the human dummy, which he was amazingly good at. Oh, very natural. Very natural. And uh, we got a measurement of height and we did the whole thing. We tracked it. And so we go, well, the Bigfoot had to come right down this trail. So we backtracked and then you're on the wood, you're on the woods, line of the woods. because There's a field. We walk into the woods and we're talking. He's telling us a story. And all of a sudden we kind of all look at each other and go, did it just get really quiet? And uh, it did. Okay, it just got really still in here. And the three of us kind of had that feeling at the same time that it just got really still. And uh, a lot of times that's when things happen. Now, this is when it turned from, you know... Like the fun we're having tonight and the fun we had at the opening of the show right. and, and the fun we had in the car, this is when it turns, like this is, as Al Pacino said in Sea of Love, this is the wet-ass hour. Come the wet-ass hour. <laughs> I'm everyone's daddy. This is like where the metal meets the road because- Your mind's on fire. Yes. You're on high alert. You just kind of, you go, something's not right. And this is the moment, Ronnie, that we always talk about. This is the moment, be careful what you ask for, you might get it. You know, yeah. it's it's the- it's the equivalent of being a kid and wanting to go on. There, when I was a kid, there was this roller coaster. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> Maddie anecdote. This is not a, quite a Maddie rant. Damn it. We don't have a <laughs> we don't have a sound from here's Mike the, New for that. Here's the thing about <laughs> roller coasters. No, when you're a kid and you want to go on a roller coaster, and there's a roller coaster when I was a kid, Paragon Park, and that was a vision quest for a young American kid. You know, that was my vision quest. Like the Native Americans say, you go to go in mm. the woods and kill a bear to be a wooden, man. Wooden roller coaster. Bingo. The old wooden roller oh. coaster. So right. every Wellen summer, Park, many times, yeah. Every summer, my family went there. And for the first few, I was too scared to go the first few years of my life. You know, as a little kid, I was way too scared of it. 
And all my relatives are like, come on, you got to go. You gotta go. And then this one summer, my dad's like, all right, you're nine. Oh, is this Paragon? Well, oh, it's Love Roller Coaster. Come on. Oh, I thought you were doing <laughs> that. I thought you found an old commercial of Paragon Park. Um, I suppose I could have looked for that. So I was like nine, I guess, eight or nine. And my father goes, you got to do it this summer. This is, you know, it was like the man, the the, the Native American elder saying right. it was like, this is, it's time. You're going out to the, kill the bear. So it's the talking about the roller coaster, the excitement of thinking about it. Yeah. As opposed to sitting in it and going up it's that hill. It's going up. Yes. And yes. you start to have thoughts like, do I really want oh, Shit, do I really want this? What did I just do? Right. What am I doing? Right. Every once in a while with these things, I, I just go, what am I doing? And this mm. is one of those moments where I really felt like we were about to have a Bigfoot sighting at this moment. Wind completely stopped. No more animals. It's just dead silence. And it happened kind of after I did the call. And oh, I yeah, I did a couple I calls. Some sort of orb. Um, I did my best Bobo impression, which was eerie to do too, because it just right. echoed, and then yeah. that's when things got quiet. Yeah, and we were looking for wood to do a wood knock. We forgot to bring like a bat or something. Yeah, everything's wet. Everything is wet and, and and aging, but it just got it just. If something was going to happen, that's when it was going to happen. And then you, Ronnie starts noticing right on the trail at this moment tree bends. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like weird anomalous tree bending, which Very is another like day, another two thing in a row. they say squatches do to mark the trails or to. Whatever they do before to let and it you was know right over, yeah, yeah, it was right over, like almost like a little bridge, yeah, through the trees. But it's hard to tell. And it was windy. It had been, it, it had been windy. We were freezing. You know what I mean? Like these yeah, then the we were warm things. and everything yes. was like we like we're comfortable right now. Yeah, Let's I could have taken off my jacket. Yeah, and 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 uh, it was just odd, and it was right when we were trying to <laughs> get something going. Right. Dead. Yeah, man, I was I was a little freaked out, and he was too, because I think he had the same thing. Because when you've seen one, you're like, yeah, don't go stir well, shit up, guys. <laughs> what, he, what he talked about too was that there's a familiar feeling between the sightings, not necessarily the Bigfoot experience and the UFO, the orbs, right, the UFO stuff, but a very similar between the UFO stuff a similar feeling with all those other sightings. Mm -hmm. And he was almost kind of getting that vibe again. Yes. It was like, I was like, oh boy. So we mentioned the orb sighting. So we're out there looking for, then, then, then it turned dark. We, we, we stopped kind of squatching, came out of the woods and now it got dark while we were out there. The stars started popping out and it was cold. We were all cold, but we decided to stay out for a while. So we're in this field where he's had all kinds of weird, flying anomalies happened to him with drones and orbs. And he starts telling us the orb story as we're sitting in the dark looking for a UFO. Right. And, or hoping we'd see an orb. And, you know, just picture standing in the middle of a valley <laughs> up above, you're looking down on a valley and mountains and just every star in the sky and we're out there. No, no light pollution, just. He's telling us the orb story with his wife and how she always has kind of said, oh, Tom, with his crazy stuff, she's kind of, you know, not not believed him, but just like a wife bust your chops a little right. bit, you know, like whatever wacky thing you're into. She's like, oh God, him and his floating orbs, you know, whatever. Right. Well, they had a significant sighting together, an orange cigar craft, cigar shaped craft coming right across that mountain. The size of a tractor trailer size bus, like huge. They both saw it. So he's describing this to us again. God, I wish 
he I know. would have gone on I know. on camera with us. But he's describing it to us, and we're looking for UFO, looking for UFO. We saw, we thought we saw a couple little weird things. Um, also, a lot of, by the way, a lot of calm trails, like a lot of, lot of planes leaving weird crisscrossy yeah. trails in yeah. that area. Also, yeah, agreed. And he picked up weird chatter. Tell you alluded so, to that. So there were times when um, at night they'd have the TV on or the radio on, or they'd be talking on the phone, and one of these drones would pass over, and all of a sudden, like the signal would get all scrambled. But it sounded like something that came over, like you know, uh, you would hear a, a radio signal, you know, transferring between channels. Yeah. It was like when it would turn. Instead of hearing a human voice, it was like. What he said sounded like alien, almost chatter, like mm. like just a not, a, and yeah, so yeah, that yeah, freaked yeah. him out even more. Yeah, yeah, and that was happening. He made that connection that that would happen when these things were flying over. So we're hoping for, looking for, and Ronnie and I try to put our wonder, wonder twin powers activate a bucket of water. Yeah, how did, <laughs> by the way, not, by the way, what a bizarre. For, by the way, for and anyone under the age of 59 isn't going to know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> but the Wonder Twins, they could turn into, sensibly could turn into anything they wanted to, right? Except the dude. He could only turn into forms of water. Was, she was ice. An, she was animal. Animal. Any animal. Zan, uh, Jana was any animal, and uh, Zan, right? Yes. Yeah. Was, had to be something made of ice. So it was like an ice slide. or an yeah. ice, But then he could do like an ice microwave oven. Like it, right. it, it, a, it, bucket it a bucket of water. A bucket of water. An ice tray. Right. Right. Bucket of Another water guy big, getting yeah. screwed by his old lady. <laughs> <laughs> But they, they had kidding. a seat at the table at the Super Friends alongside uh, what Superman, Aquaman. That's right. And, and, and they had a little monkey, didn't they? Gleek. Gleek. Wow, good maybe ball, it was yeah. Maybe it was Gleek chattering on the thing. It could have been. He used to go, You know what's a great episode of that? When <laughs> Gleek went evil. There was an evil Gleek. God, why do I remember this? And so I evil, can't believe you guys both remember the names because I was like. Gleek tried to, uh, Gleek had to stop evil Gleek in one episode. And Such a shame when Gleeks go bad. And and I remember <laughs> they they had this thing where it was like so gremlins. Gleeks like Gleeks like talking to it. It's like and then the evil Gleeks like like he has like an evil demonic voice. That's where they got the idea for gremlins, I imagine. Probably. Got to stay awake, Jaina. Wonder Twin powers activate. Shape of octopus. Form of an ice unicycle. Oh my god! Not a bike! A unicycle! Oh wait, I didn't put it up on the video board, but as you can as you could have guessed, the the octopus jumps on the the ice unicycle and they ride away. Now were they brother and sister? Or boyfriend and girlfriend? Well, I heard a few things. I don't no, think they that, were they were they were twins. They're something twins. tells me the guy wanted the ice <laughs> unicycle didn't have a girlfriend. <laughs> I'm going to be an ice unicycle. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm going to turn into an awesome falcon, uh, honey. Why don't you just turn into a bucket of water and go use that bucket of water to clean the goddamn garage like I told you to 16 times. That's, it's on your bucket list. That's got really personal for me. Literally a bucket list, right? Oh, my God. Look at them. Yeah, she was cute. He was jacked. It's a cartoon, Maddie. Oh, right. Sorry. Cartoon. Yeah. Ronnie, next podcast we do live, we're, we're wearing those outfits. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> there he is. There's the ice unicycle. She's this badass, <laughs> awesome octopus, and he's an ice unicycle. Yeah. All right. So uh, Ronnie and I tried to put our Wonder Twin powers together, 
because when we do this, we tend to see things or things happen. So we're kind of like put our mojo together right. and we're like, all right, kind of like we did with the the Father's Day sighting. Yeah. We're like, show UFO us, show sighting. us, show us. And nothing was happening other than just a couple things like, is that something? Mm-mm. And we're leaving the three of us down the trail. And I said, uh, all right, last chance. We're leaving to show us something. And as I say that, I look up over my right shoulder and I almost kind of joking, you know, like, all right, last chance, show us something. We're leaving. I look over my right shoulder and I go, we got one. It's silent and moving quick. Ooh. Nice catch, Maddie. Thank you. (laughs) We got something. We got something. It was, uh, again, a a kind of a star-shaped craft, or I shouldn't say craft because we don't know what it was. But, um, you know, again, I've seen satellites move. We saw satellites that night. Oh, yeah. This did not look like a satellite. No satellite. And it was moving. I would say it was... A uh, hundred thousand feet. I mean, it was way. It was at the level of the stars, and flying amongst the stars, and looked like a star, and was cruising faster than any. Yeah, satellite like picture, ever. picture the ex- most expansive sky you can think of that your entire vision can't even take in, from tree line to tree line, from your right to your left, from east to west, and watching a white, brighter than anything, thing come this fast across it, like just, just. Just flying. Cruising. I, I, I don't know what the hell it was. And there's three of us that are watching this. Silent, of course. Right. And, you know, one of us would have been like, no, it's kind of slow. We're all like, dude, that thing's moving at a clip. This mm-hmm. thing was screaming mm-hmm. across. And we were just, and we all got giddy. We we're like, we got something. We got something. And funny, as we're leaving, just like when I was leaving your house after we did the uh, the show, Three in the morning, we're like, all right, we're gonna go like one more time. We're looking up, and we have that UFO setting. Similar situation here. Yes, Locking yes, out. yes. So an unbelievable um, chance to. Oh, the other thing is we had technical issues. Of course, I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, that's uh, right. Remember, I couldn't. Yeah. Record when we it was when we were doing the squatching. Yeah. When we walked to right. the forest, everything froze. On my just nothing would. Right. Everything would work on my phone except for the recording device that I had. It was just so strange. It was weird. And uh, so anyway, but it was just a great opportunity to not talk about things in a podcast studio, but to get out in the right. field like we like to do and actually be on site at a place where weird shit is happening to the point where, as we say, as we update this case file, the Tom case file is that they want out. They want to leave there, which is really unfortunate because it's gorgeous. This is to the level of how bad it is. No, I shouldn't say bad, but how... How real it is. How real it is. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Is that they've got this beautiful home, this beautiful spread where you can see mountains and it's just gorgeous. And she's like, let's go. Let's go. I mean, that's saying something. That is saying something. You you guys should buy it. Turn it into an observatory. I want to. We can make it the next E-Seti Ranch. Let's do it. Matt Seti. Matty Seti. Matt Ronnie said. Ronnie said. Yeah, what happened Ronnie, to me? I'm trying to think of, well, I'm trying to think of what sounds. About. I got abducted. You're, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> you know who's got a lot to say is our guest. Oh, Kathy Strain. Mm-hmm. Author Kathy Strain. Yes. Let's talk to Kathy Strain. This is perfect segue uh, from an actual Bigfoot sighting. Another one here in Monsterland. Kathy is an author, scientist, lecturer. Uh, Ronnie, you, you read her book years ago. Um, 
It was called... It's uh, Giants, Cannibals, and Monsters, Bigfoot and Native Culture. And this came out back in 2008 or 2009, I believe. And I had read it back then, and she was recently referenced in a popular science article um, talking about the Native Americans and how they believe uh, that Sasquatch is real, and it's been part of their culture from as early as they can remember, even part of their some of their creation myths. And uh, after this interview, which is great, Kathy's awesome. Uh, again, we had some technical problems. <laughs> Shocker. Uh, but we, we, we got through it, and so you'll hear a little bit of that. Um, but after the interview, we'll do another. Uh, Ronnie, uh, excuse me, Dave, what do we got tonight on tap? From from your corner of the world, we got a Monster Media coming yes, up. Yes, Monster yeah, Media, baby. fun Monster Media game, and an I think you guys will enjoy. Absolutely chocked full Monster oh. Mail. We got more Monster Shout Mail that we can handle. And- so we're going to hear from you, but right now we're going to hear from Kathy Strain. Kathy, Maddie, just yeah, just yeah. you said it, I guess. But to our listeners, you'll hear a few little sound spikes at the beginning. But hang with us; that that gets eliminated as the interview goes on. Yes, and um, yeah, thank you. That's right. And Kathy was great. Thank you for being patient, Kathy. Kathy is. A scientist, as I said, she holds a master's degree in anthropology from California State University. She works with the Forest Her- Heritage Resource and Tribal Relations Programs. She's the manager of that. Um, and she's in California, and she has had uh, – she's also in archaeology. Right. So she is a great person to talk to about the whole Bigfoot connection, especially vis-a-vis Native Americans. She's got an awesome story to tell about her sightings too and a couple of sightings with Native American people. So here is Kathy Strain. Kathy Strain, welcome to Monsterland. Thank you for having me. Well, we're excited to have you. This connection between Sasquatch, Bigfoot, and our Native American brothers and sisters keeps coming up on this podcast, and you were on the cutting edge of this probably long before most other people. Uh, Tell us how your journey started, first of all, uh, in even working in this field. Well, when I was a little girl, I saw the documentary uh, Legend of Boggy Creek. Ah. And it, yes, and so um, it really intrigued me that there was an undiscovered creature out there. And so I asked my teacher, what did I need to do to study Bigfoot? And she said, well, you're probably going to have to be an anthropologist. And I went, okay. And so I that's the path I took. And so I had my, I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in anthropology, but you know, and I figured, figured it out that I couldn't do the big footing for a living. You know, no, there's no paid job for that, but I really have always liked the native American part of anthropology because we always traveled, um, during the summers to parks and, and historic sites and native American sites. And so I knew it was still part of me. And, I also grew up in Porterville, California, which is in the central part of the state. And the Tule River in Indian Reservation, the, the kids from the res would went to higher high school, went to our junior high. And so I had always heard of these hairy man pictographs or painted rock. And I saw them when I was in high school. And um, then I got was fortunate enough to get a job as a professional archaeologist on the district adjacent to this reservation. And so I worked a lot with the tribe. Talk about some of the compelling, you know, moments you've had in actually talking to Native Americans about this. I was in looking at this area in the forest and we're going to replant this meadow with a Native American traditional 
plants so that they have an easy place to come gather, you know, medicines, um, things that were really important to them. And as habit, um, tribal people, when they get out of their car in the forest, they put their keys on their windshield. Mm -hmm. So if someone wants to steal their car, they don't need to break the window, you know, and that's not something like our culture does very much of. Mm. And so we're out going around this meadow and looking at different things and just having a really good time. And, And then we came back to our vehicles and the keys of the oldest elder was missing and he was just furious. He was like, I know Bigfoot in Miwok is called Yayali. He says, I know Yayali took my keys. I know that he did it. He thinks he's so funny. And he just was mad. And he goes, we have to look high for him because that's where he would have put them. And way up high in the crook of a tree in front of his vehicle, there, there was his keys. Wow. wow. Yeah. My God. Um, so, Kathy, I, it begs the question, have you had any close calls or close encounters with the Bigfoot? Yes, I have. Oh, do tell. Um, I've had, uh, I've seen four. Really? Three, what? In three sightings, I guess. Three consecutive years. And in, in the location in Oklahoma, we call Area X. Oh. So the first one's the best one because there was uh, four of us. There was five sitting around the area, but only four of us saw it because the other one had a structure blocking his view. But um, it was in May, daylight. And we had had, it's kind of a long story, so I'll make it smaller, but we had had some funny things happening, rocks being thrown, hitting the the roofs of the cabins that we were staying in. And so there was obviously something around. Mm. And so we had just come back from investigating a a rock throw um, across at another cabin and had come back and we're sitting around in a semicircle. And I was looking uh, down a place we call the bottleneck because it's pretty much the most open of that forest that this area is very dense very hard to move through and we start hearing this sound and then all of a sudden i see these two animals a big one and a little one on two legs coming right at us and it's kind of like this this show of one wanted to go run up the hillside but the other one was kept coming towards us and so it was kind of like they weren't in sync of what they wanted to do but then i i kind of figured maybe they were trying to get behind another structure to look at us because I don't know if you noticed, but I kind of have a high voice and I always wondered if they thought there was a child present or something. Mm. Ah, Attracted to that. Yep. Yeah, maybe. And so then I stood up and I yelled, there they are. And I started running at them. And so the other four people, oh, the other three people, my husband, Brian Brown and Mark McClurkin saw it as well. And I'm running at them. I guess I was going to catch them and give them a big hug or something. I'm not particularly sure. <laughs> the big bummer was, was we did have a camera set to record movement in that direction, but I'm the one who triggered it, and all you see is me running past it. And mm-hmm. so when then, obviously, they're going, oh, gosh, crazy lady coming at us. They bolted up the hillside like I can't even tell you how fast it was. What, what color were they? Help. How big were they? Uh, the big one, I would say, was somewhere around six feet. And the little one, I would say, was maybe four feet. And they were dark um, brown or black in color. And they were just, I mean, I could see the, the sun glistening in their hair um, and wow. everything. But they, it was the speed that really astonished me. It wasn't necessarily that it was a Bigfoot, but I had no clue that they could move that fast, run that fast. 
yeah. How did that affect you emotionally? Well, immediately afterwards, I had a meltdown. How so? What do you mean? Well, I just, I just had a meltdown. I, I, the, the, one of the guys who didn't see it had turned on his camera and he was videotaping it. And I'm going, you know, I'm just dazed and confused. I'm starting to go into shock. Mm. And uh, he's saying, well, what did you see? And I said, well, you know, blah, blah, like this. And then I started cussing because I was just, I knew I was crashing. And so, and that's not like me to really do that. And I was really quite embarrassed by it. But then I was just, I just was like, we need to leave. We, we need to just leave this place because we can't win. There's no way we can win with something this fast. You know, it, I was so astonished by that, that if, if they wanted to, they could run by, pick me up, throw me over their shoulder and be gone before anybody could react. And so that was the first time that it kind of just flooded over me. And so a sense of fear, a fear kind of came over of you that these, these things are more powerful than us. We're not the apex predator. They are. Correct. Correct. Well, let me ask you this, and this is maybe the million dollar question, Kathy, you're, you're, you know, you're a, you're a scientist and, you know, you're trained to deal in, in real science, quote unquote, and not what people like to say pseudoscience, but now you've seen them multiple times. So my question is, where do you think you stand on what these things are? Do you, does your scientific brain say they're just an undiscovered as of yet uh, animal of some kind, or do you think there's something more metaphysical or supernatural with them? Oh, no, I think they're just an undiscovered um, ape, hominid, something in that line. I, I, they're not human for sure. And I don't think that they have any kind of superpowers or anything like that. I think they're well adapted to their environment where they have learned to be fast, be very um, strong, be able to function day or night, be able to just blend with their landscape. And, and at some point when we get a very good DNA example, I think they're going to be related to us in some manner, but I don't know how close on that scale that's going to be is it more than chimp less than chimp you know i don't know so but definitely not human definitely an animal i don't see any supernatural or super um anything in that manner mm. so do you do you dismiss the native americans theories on it living in both worlds kind of the ability to almost transcend dimensions that kind of stuff i mean just being i can understand that your approach too and and Seeing them for the first time must have been a, a, unbelievable, and then seeing four, having four different sightings. But do you take any uh, credence of what they say that they have some kind of abilities that we are not aware of just yet, or maybe they are that we just haven't accepted yet? It's very possible, but I don't dismiss what Native Americans have to say. I respect their viewpoint very much. And I'm one of those kinds of people that maybe there's a different explanation of what was what they saw, like I, right. I interviewed mm -hmm. a guy one time who, he was a biologist, I believe he had a master's degree in biology on my national forest, and he had been out doing surveys for uh, rare species and was coming back to his vehicle and came across a dead deer with the deer hide, the, the leg broken um, on the back, you know, we've, we've heard of that before. Kept on walking, and then he comes across a deer that's just standing there shaking, and you can literally walk right up to it and touch it. And it just didn't care. It was fixated on something up the hill from him. And it was just shaking. So he goes, that's weird. 
So he turns his head to look to see what was there, and he saw a Bigfoot, and it was just right there. It walked across, and then he always uses the term, it disappeared, but then he says, it didn't really disappear. I knew it was there. What it did was it camouflaged itself so that it turned to be in line with the trees so that he no longer could see it. And so uh. it, it's that kind of thing that, that if you didn't logically think it out, you may think it disappeared for real, when in reality it just used its intelligence against you and blended with the landscape so that you would think it had left. But in reality, it's he was still there. It was the biologist who chose to continue walking on and get back to his car, got back to the office, and promptly quit. We, we had a, uh, wow. a recent sighting, and I'm talking about maybe two months ago, from a researcher that I'm, I've met before. I've known him for several years now, and we have um, others that take his word. Um, and he was in Lemister State Forest, which is where we dub Monsterland, a uh, little extended area. And he was out solo, uh, Bigfooting, and then was coming back through the, the uh, trail entrance. And when he looked back, kind of like almost like one last time, he saw this figure, this hairy figure that was about six feet tall, standing kind of, and he wasn't sure if it was looking at him or looking the other way around, but there's another hiker coming like further down. Uh, the thing turned around and they made eye contact and it then slowly started to walk away. And where it got weird, and again ties into a lot of these different stories that we've heard from other people, uh, other encounters that they're, they're just afraid to kind of share. But uh, it started to disappear as it started walking away and not in the sense that you just described in the camouflage, but literally from the bottom, the hand, the right hand started to almost vanish and it went up the arm and literally like Predator in the movie where it's almost the shimmering invisible thing started disappearing as it walked away where it moved up its body and, and just visibly in a, in a uh, you know, walking down through the woods. But I'm fascinated by that and what you think, you know, in a situation like that where someone that's really credible that we, we know that we've talked to and he saw with his own two eyes... How do you explain that? Because I, I just think that that's, you know, just blows my mind. And I, I want to believe this guy, you know. And, and, and I can't explain it. I mean, I wasn't there or anything. And I'm, there's no reason to, to doubt what his story is. It's just maybe there's something more common that we're not mm. uh, thinking of, you know. Yeah, and, like and we'll octopus never know or something like that, yeah. that kind of ability, right? Yeah, who was it that we had someone on this podcast, Kathy, <clears> that was saying... Um, Imagine the first person that saw a, a chameleon, a chameleon yeah. camouflage with its environment. They would think that was supernatural. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct. Hmm. And, and there's a lot of stuff like that. The first time you ever see something, you know, behaving in a certain, climb a tree very fast with, and you've never seen it before, you right. would think, well, that's supernatural. Oh, my gosh, you can climb a tree with such speed. But no. it's, it's, you know, it's our life experience. We can only associate what we're seeing with things we already know. Right. And so... You know, that's you, just like a child. A child says, well, I see a cup. I, I drink out of a cup. I can do it. You change up the environment and have a tree stump, but it's hollow with water in it. That's not a cup to them, even though it, in reality it is. Huh. It, it's, you base everything on what you already know. You make you, you see what it is that you have already known to exist. Right. So. Now, if you, I, just asking this on, on the uh, 
undiscovered primate or, or cre- you know, cryptozoological creature, whatever this may be. Um, and a lot of the questions over the years have been, what about the bones? What about a body? And uh, what do you say to someone that asks that question if you feel that it is a undiscovered animal that we haven't classified yet? Um, why haven't we found bones? Do you think that they are almost like burying their dead or hiding their dead or something along those lines? And that might be the, the answer for that. Well, um, I am a field going archeologist have been for 30 plus years says my knee that is killing me. Cause I was out. <laughs> in the field wow. Yeah. Well, I'm hurting today. <laughs> it, was, it was too cold to be out outside, but in all my years, in all my years outside of something that then hit by a car, I have never seen a dead animal in the field ever, except once it was a bear mm. and it was nowhere near a road. And I don't, I don't know how it was killed. I was creeped out and I didn't get near it. But other than that, I've never seen bones of a deer. I've never seen bones of any other animal ever, ever. And so nature consumes its own. And so sure. based on, you know, just other animals picking at it, picking at it, picking at it, in, in probably less than three days, a body could be um, disintegrated in heat and everything else that goes with it. So that doesn't surprise me at all that we haven't seen any bones. You know, I, it, it wouldn't stun me if they did bury. I mean, I, it, that's not exclusive, I think, to, to humanity in that sense. You know, especially if, the, if there's a smell issue or, you know, something you care about issue. But I, I don't really think that's what's happening. I think that nature just recovers its own. Yeah. When, when you had those visual sightings, did you get, I, I, you know, we've heard over time from different encounters that people describe the facial features resembling that of a human being. Do you, did you get that kind of feeling you mentioned earlier when you're describing this is not a human? Any kind um, of connection to that? Or do you feel like it's, it is, yes, kind of similar? or? Well, for the, the closest one of the, the, the two that were running at me, I didn't get enough facial, facial features to know that other than it was, you know, you know, forward facing eyes, obviously had a nose, but I didn't get close enough to, right. I didn't see me white around the eyeballs that they, those look like they were pure brown across, but it, I, I just wasn't close enough to tell. So it's incredible. I, you're so, um, <laughs> you're so intelligent and scientific and obviously, you know, as I sometimes say, sober, quote unquote, about this topic. Um, I wish there was more. And, and had I, I, sightings, but this yes, is the biggest, okay, yes. here's the biggest thing is that, oh, uh, only people that believe, uh, you know, that, you know, believe in these things will see them. Right. But here's an archaeologist, a scientist. Yes. Um, that has had multiple visual sightings. Yes. Believes they exist. But, you know, there's still theories on what these things are, and it makes sense that obviously we're going to start with, let's start with an animal, that this is something that's physical before we start going in yeah. this other direction. But. I just have this I just have this urge. It's not really a question, Kathy, but, like, I, I, I want you more out there. I want you, like, <laughs> you should be having your own Bigfoot show. You know what I mean? Instead of, because it's this type of thing that gives it credibility. It's always, right. I always say, Kathy, it's always the witnesses. The, when people say to me at a party or something like, so you really believe me? You know, whatever. I say it's the witnesses. It's when I talk to these people and look in their eyes, I can't call, I can't not believe them. And right. you're, you're the same way, Kathy. I hear you talk and tell your story and, and your science background. It's super compelling. Well, well, thank you. I mean, it is, it's, 
is what it is. I mean, I can't deny what it is that I see with my own eyes. Right. And so, mm. and to have multiple witnesses at, at the same time, like I exactly. said, four of us, it was daylight. I, there's nothing else that could have been. We were also heavily armed. So if some prankster wants to mm. run in a hairy costume in the daylight, you know, they would have been shot. It could have been shot, but it right. didn't make any sense. Human moves that way. And so that's, you could just right there, it can't be human or it can't be a prankster because of the way it moved up that it, hillside. It, explain so. that. Explain the movement. Like, uh, what what stunned it, you? Like, this the speed? It, it was like... It was a speed and and the ability to walk to run up this hillside without regard to Greenbrier, which I don't know if you guys know what Greenbrier is. It's like a, it's got stickers on it yeah, and it catches the bottom shows. of your pants. Yeah, yeah, rocky, steep, and they went up it like it was absolutely nothing. Wow! And it looked like they had been if they were on the end of a bungee and somebody finally yes, like a, up. a rope, like they're being pulled up yeah. almost. Yeah, wow. like a ghost almost. Wow. I mean, it, they, they, I, if I was there ghost hunting, I would have said I just saw two black ghosts. Wow. I mean, that's how, how they moved. It was just stunning. It's incredible. You, you said in, in your bio there's a quote from you saying, um, in terms of going back to the Native American relationship with Bigfoot, you say he's part of their daily life. Um, mm-hmm. h- how so? Well, it depends on the tribe, of course, but in... Like, for example, the, the Tule River, he's part of their creation story. He's, mm. He comes when somebody is going to die or dies. He comes and takes their spirit over to the other side. Wow. And so you, you'll, you will have a sighting of a Bigfoot within days of somebody who, of the tribe who's going to pass. They have one of their sacred songs re- revolve around him. So that's, a, a, you know, part of who they are as a people and I meet other tribes where, you know, they do dances in particular just to honor what we call Bigfoot. Of course, that's not the name the tribes use. And so it's part of how they've come to be. And the few tribes that I've met that have, like, like say, like Iowa, Kansas, those areas there where there really doesn't seem to be a lot of information coming out of there, you know, a lot of those people will say it's because they lost that history when they got moved around when you know when settlers were coming out and lost their connection with with the Bigfoot but they used to have one and so it's you know it, it, it isn't any different necessarily outside of the Tule River I'd say that's pretty special but they have those personal relationships also with eagles condor squirrel you know all those are part of what they consider to how the earth should move and run and how we're all in balance with each other. And so the animals, the plants, the water, the air, that includes Bigfoot, is part of how they see the world. And so you miss one, you miss it all. And the kind of how a lot of tribes that I've met have always said that Bigfoot's the key to all that, that he has been given the power to regulate, that he's why we are still in balance in a way. And they have always feared that if we ever go as far as prove that he's real, that that's, that's sort of when our end days are. Oh, wow. Now, yes, that's the other piece, right? That, ah, um, I hadn't heard that. The, uh, what is the, the rainbow um, prophecy? 
the Hopi prophecy about the with the end towards the end times oh, that the, the creatures the, creatures would Kermit be, the Frog will no well, no not it's that. a connection between yeah. oh no <laughs> rainbow uh, connection but sorry oh. Captain. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about creatures that were thought to be mythical would emerge again and, and just a time that is very apocalyptic. And we just had uh, Jeff Woolwine, who's a, a researcher out of uh, Arizona and talking about the petroglyphs and everything else and that he feels that we are in this kind of like almost this apocalyptic time. I mean, our, our president's out there signing Bibles. I mean, what is going on? <laughs> I always view life as it is until it comes upon us. I don't worry about that stuff. Exactly. That's fear. I can't, I can't fear. change it by myself anyway. So. Right. But, it, but, it's, but it's part of who they are of being, you know, that everything works together in, in a circle. And Bigfoot's part of that circle, and that's your everyday life. And so it's 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 really deep. And I do actually give talks. I, I go to a lot of conferences. I Sometimes I take years off just because, you know, it gets a little much sometimes with Mike because I do have a job. Yeah. Um, and that's part of my presentation where I show the dances that tribes have wh and have them explain why we do this dance. I have songs. I have baskets. I have uh, a lot of examples of how Bigfoot has become or what is a part of their lives in daily things. And that's what you would expect. You would expect that a tribe that, that sees Bigfoot or has Bigfoot in their lives on a daily basis, that they would weave his image into their artwork. That makes perfect sense to me. Mm. You don't weave mythical animals into your baskets because your baskets are sacred and important to you. You don't make mythical totem poles of animals that don't exist you make totem poles of animals that are your part of your ancestral line. And so when you make those arguments with skeptics, 99% of the time, it just goes over their head because it, Bigfoot doesn't exist. Bigfoot doesn't exist. And when you give them examples of, well, here's why would Native Americans do this? They just can't comprehend it. You know, in my mind, they're, well, they're liars. Big, Native Americans lie about their past. They lie about their stories. It's all made up fantasy. It's like, okay, disperge an entire uh, cultural right. community <laughs> by saying that. But, you yeah. know, and I, and I love ignorance. your point yeah. about, I dare them to say that in front of a Native American. Let's see what happens then. Yeah, right. exactly. I have the same. I always think the same. And it's ho so hard for us, in, especially in postmodern society, living in boxes like we do. These people are so connected to the land to for nature. so many yeah. millennia. They, you know, like I, on a small scale, like, when I am paying attention to my life and I'm taking the time to meditate and be prayerful, just like five minutes a day, all of a sudden all these synchronicities are happening. I'm t I feel like tuned into everything. These are people who lived without the modern distractions. They were so attuned to nature and what was going right. on around them. It makes sense that the they cycles, would have. A, yeah. They would be the experts on what's out there, not us. Right. Yeah, correct. And and it's like it's. I always love when I take and I do this a lot. Not lately anymore because our botanists have been have been educated, I guess. But going out with a botanist of um, our society and going out with a Native American is always enjoyable because mm. they the Native Americans know every plant out there and what it does mm. to your body. And you get these botanists who go like, "I know more than you." Oh, please! It's always it's always <laughs> interesting. You know that hasn't happened in a lot of times. The botanists I go with out now go, "Oh yeah, no, you're right. I totally." You, you're in charge. You're in charge. So, Kathy, I went out with a botanist. She was a heartbreaker. It wasn't fun. <laughs> let me tell you what. <laughs> Kathy, you're awesome. Uh, where can people find your work 
and uh, get your stuff. You have anything new coming out? Anything you want to uh, promote? Um, not that I can think of. I mean, you can get my book from HancockHouse.com. Uh, uh, you can do, um, I, I'm trying to work on a second book, but I haven't found much time because I have a grandson and he keeps oh. me busy. Oh, awesome. And so um, you can go there. Um, our website, where I'm a part of the Alliance of Independent Bigfoot Researchers, but our website's down, so I can't give you a, I don't want to give it that address out and people go to it and it, you know, they <laughs> don't find it. So, yeah. Kathy Moskowitz-Strain, her book is Giants, Cannibals, and Monsters, Bigfoot, and Native Culture. Thanks so much for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, another f***ing pickup, goddamn. Oh, shit, we're recording. Want to go deeper into the mystery? Get the book Monsterland, Encounters with UFOs, Bigfoot, and Orange Orbs by Ronnie LeBlanc. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere fine books are sold. Pretty cool stuff, Ronnie. Awesome. Another great guest. I would yeah. like to uh, I'd like to stay in touch with her because boy, if <laughs> a lot of our guests I feel like we're gonna be going back to for yeah. you know, especially someone like Kathy, she's very grounded. That's scientific. great word. Yeah. Grounded, scientific, like any skeptical stuff that might come up, we go to her right, you know, for some um, gravitas, as it were. Thank you, Kathy. And you know who else has a lot of gravitas? Hmm. And gets it done. And also, ironically, uh, is mostly armed most of the time. He carries heat. It's producer Dave. Hey! Yeah, but it's a squirt gun. Well. So what, what are you going to do? But yeah, um, thank you for turning It could leave over. a mark. It could leave a mark if it's a super scoker. <laughs> well, when the ladies say I'm packing heat, they mean something different, Maddie. Okay, now it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, You're STD. Right. Let's dial that back. But uh, the main point is it's time for Monster Media. You are listening to the Monsterland Podcast with Ronnie LeBlanc and Maddie Blake. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm coming apart! So now for this... time for oh, Monster Media. Sorry, voiceover dude. Or Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Stepped on my, my own voiceover. By guys, the way, uh, shout out to Mike New, our voice guy. Uh, the voice of, of Monsterland. He really is the best. He's the, the voice, voice of ExxonMobil. Oh, tons of stuff. Oh! You know what he just did? What? He just did. Mike Noir, voice guy, just voiced a huge, like, two multi-part History Channel UFO special. Get out. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he, tell you he does it all. Wow. James Earl Jones fears Mike New. Damn right. Absolutely right. Hell yeah. So for this particular edition of Monster Media... Mostly because he's racist. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I almost spit my non-alcoholic beer all, all over the studio. It's all jokes. I don't have enough sound effects for that comment. Well done, man. Thank you. Um, Thank you're you. being ironical. So um, what we what we do in Monster Media is we sample clips or examples from pop, pop culture, popular medium. Could be music, could be uh, film or whatnot. What we're doing this time is I have collected a series of movies about dreams Ooh. Yes. or or dreamlike worlds if wow. you will i like it and what i'm going to do is read the the year and the description of each movie and you're going to okay. try to guess okay. what film we're talking about dreams robin williams <laughs> <laughs> ronnie's got one on the board was that movie even that's not on the list was that called dreams uh what or dreams was, may come what oh, dreams may come <laughs> right i like that movie it's a little, it was cool yeah. kind of art you know like the, the whole reincarnation so yeah. um 
we make up our own rules here. So do we want to go? Do we want to alternate, or do you want to do the jump in thing? Let's alternate this time. Let's sure. alternate. Sure. And then if one knows and the other doesn't, the okay. other one can help them out. Cool. Okay. I can tell you these range from the obscure to the uh, not so obscure at all. So all right. who's up first? Ronnie. Ronnie's up first. Um, Ronnie, here we go. Okay. All right, from 19... I love, he's such a producer. From he 19- can't do anything without hitting all the little... <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's producing. It's producing. That's, producing. That's what it is, yeah. So from 1929, um, 17 minutes of bizarre, surreal imagery. Maddie, is he asleep Ooh. or is he okay? Mm. I think, he's, I think he, he might have just passed away. Do you want a hint? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there he is. Right. You went someplace else. Do you want a hint? This yes, is a, the, please, I, hint, please. I, I have. I'm trying to. Well, as one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, Cecil um, Bill DeMille. No, Cecil. Cecil. <laughs> Cecil's brother. Cecil. Yeah. Um, Cecil. No. Well, th- this is a hard one, Maddie. Do you have it? No. Okay. No the idea. the movie is the avant-garde classic Unchen Andalou, uh, Luis Buñuel and Salvador Dali. Oh, oh Dali, yeah. of course. The artist. Wow. He did a movie. He <laughs> Yeah, he did yeah, he did a movie. Well Boonwell was, I think, more of the filmmaker. The yeah, Im- didn't if- Dolly draw those weird melty yes, things? The clock. Sure, yeah, his yeah, famous yeah, one yeah, is yeah. the clock melting. Yeah. Yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember this is one of the first films I saw in a film class that I took, and there's a famous scene where a woman is uh sitting there sort of nonchalantly and someone walks up with a blade and cuts her eyeball. Um, oh, yeah, wow. it's, it's an avant-garde film, and yeah. it, tur- it turns out they used a, a horse as a as a stunt horse. Good it was Lord. not it was not the actual woman getting cut, of course. Um, let's move on. All right, let's move on. Um, oh, there he is, the mustache. All right, since I gave Ronnie a hard one, you're going to get a hard one too, Maddie, and then we're going <laughs> to no, we're going to down. The first time I've taken a hard one. <laughs> Sweet Jesus, is that where the ectoplasm comes from? Oh my god, we never talked about the ectoplasm. Again? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Damn it. All right, we, we can suck. we still have time right, to do we'll, it. We'll sneak it in there. Right. We'll sneak the ectoplasm. It's a six in episode tease. Oh my god. Yeah, let's just now this has to be a thing we never do the ectoplasm. I gotta put it in every intro and never do it. I swear to God, we'll get to it this episode. Go ahead, Dave. It really is a creepy okay, story. Okay, okay, here we go. Uh from 1975. Wait, oh, jeez. Uh, we're talking about dreams. Yes, from 1975. <laughs> a dying man in his 40s remembers his past, his childhood, his mother, the war, personal moments, and things that tell of the recent history of all the Russian nation from 1975. I was uh, uh, 75. He's, he's thinking of his past. Mm-hmm. And his family and the history of the Russian nation. Another hard one. I I, I hadn't heard of this one, frankly. But but this, you know, Maddie, you're in the entertainment biz. So does I this star might. Sean Connery? Uh, no, it does not. <laughs> Do you see? Nice try, though. Do you have directed by Andrei Tarkovsky, mm. starring a bunch of Russian people? I've never heard of the name of the movie. Is The Mirror. Oh. Um, yeah, so uh, it's ranked here as the fourth best movie about dreams by IMDb. Wow. Let's move on. I feel like I've heard of The Mirror, but uh, yeah, good one. Oh, wow. I'll check it out. Um, Ronnie. Yes, sir. A uh, Ronnie. Really should have rehearsed this. <laughs> a, uh, a young girl is swept away from a farm in Kansas. 
Um, and uh, Maddie for the steal. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, uh, with you have to say it. Good. Okay. I saw that. It was on the Playboy channel. <laughs> oh wait. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Maddie, yes. your next. <laughs> From 2010, a thief who steals corporate secrets through the use of dream-sharing technology is given the inverse task of Steal. planting an idea into the mind of a CEO. Oh, oh, uh, Inception. Damn it. That's correct. Yes. Very good. Damn it. Since you're a golfer, you get the golf clap. Congratulations. I hate Leonardo DiCaprio with everything in my being. You do? Only because he's a great actor, but uh, my wife thinks he's cute, so I hate him. Oh, got it. Who doesn't? All right, um, <laughs> Ronnie, from, from, from 1999, a New York City doctor embarks on a harrowing night-long odyssey of sexual and moral discovery after his wife reveals a painful secret to him. <gasps> Eyes wide shut. Standing That's right. Oh, right. Very good, Ronnie LeBlanc. Are we keeping score here, or are we just playing was, uh, for laughs? I thought it was Vanilla Sky. Oh, that's a good a one, too. That's a great Cameron Crowe. It's an underrated movie. Right? Wasn't that camera cool? Um, Keep your surreal Tom Cruise movies straight. Sorry. Yes, we are keeping score. It is oh. 18 Brazilian to nothing. <laughs> I have two, I think. Yeah, you do. You're winning. Well, I had a dream last night, and Ronnie won in my dream. Was there, was there ectoplasm? <laughs> <laughs> All over the sheets. <laughs> yeah, I, the joke was fine. You know? <laughs> Dan's choking. Sweet. It was implied. No, no, I'm choking. All right. Moving right along. Mm -hmm. Maddie. Yes. From 1984, the monstrous spirit of a slain janitor seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible Steel. for his untimely death. That would be my former radio producer's favorite film. Oh yes, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's correct. Stiz Grammy. So we we had a gag on our show that it was an inadvertent gag, but I used to because he loved. Nightmare on Elm Street, so it would come up a lot, and I would do, I would just like whenever that came up, I would somehow do Freddy, and then we were like, I don't even sound like Freddy, uh, Freddy Krueger, I sound like Jimmy Durante, <laughs> so we started calling him Freddy Durante as a character on his own. I'd be like, "You kids, cha 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 cha, I'm gonna kill you with my glove." That's <laughs> like the least scary. That's a great nickname story, though. Like that's how good nicknames get started, like by accident, right? You know? Right. You know? Right. Like the Howard Stern's sidekick, famously Baba Booey, was named that because he got the name wrong. He was trying to say Baba Louie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You Your parents killed me because I was a child molester, <laughs> but I'm going to get you. Cha -cha -cha -cha. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm glad Jimmy Durante didn't actually go that way. All right. Uh, we've got maybe two rounds left, two, two per customer. How does that sound, guys? It's cool, awesome. cool. All right. All right. Get back into your dreamlike state. Whose turn is it? I forget. Ronnie's. Ronnie. Go. From 1986, a bureaucrat in a retro future world tries to correct an administrative error and becomes an enemy of the state. Oh. Uh, enemy of the state with Will Smith? <laughs> Damn. No, no. Would you like to? I try? like that movie, by the way. The great Gene Hackman. Oh yeah, uh, that is a good movie. Could you give it to me again, Dave? Because I honestly, I wasn't not paying attention. Sure, Manny. I'll, <laughs> I'll give it to you again. <laughs> if you can enjoy I the harp one more time. I stopped paying attention to this episode like an hour ago. <laughs> From 1986, a bureaucrat in a retro future world tries to correct an administrative error and becomes an enemy of the state. Oh, could it be another Tom Cruise movie? 
It could be, but it really isn't. Oh, all right. I was thinking it was that one with the uh, Minority Report. Yeah, but that's not really Dream. Dream. Nineteen eighty six would be kind of going way. Oh, I didn't pay attention to the year. Of course, you didn't. One more time. Nineteen eighty six. Jesus. From nineteen eighty six. You want me to say it in the style of Jimmy Durante? Would that help? Yes, please. From 1986. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do I don't do it, Jimmy Durante. Uh, oh, from 1986, a bureaucrat in a retro future world tries to correct an administrative error and becomes an enemy of the state. You know this movie, I'm pretty sure. A pretty famous uh, director. Tries to, uh, tries to, the director was, was British. I'm thinking of Dreams. 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 No, that's Dream from worlds. 1990, and I left that Ugh. off the list. Dream Worlds. No, I mean, I mean, I'm just trying to... Trying to, I don't know. I pass. <laughs> um, I'm just going to give you one of those. For Thanks for playing. The movie is Brazil. Brazil, the Terry oh, Gilliam oh, film. Oh, never saw it. That was, that was filmed by, uh, oh yeah, Brazil. Terry, Brazil, oh, yeah. T- Terry Gilliam starring Robert never De Niro Robert and others. Niro. Wow. Okay, well, Ronnie, this is your this is your moment. Okay. Here we go. Let's slay it. Let's get you back into the dream machine. The only Brazil and I care about is married to Tom Brady. <laughs> Or a type of wax. <laughs> from 19... Uh, straight off the rails. From 1999, <laughs> a computer hacker learns from mysterious rebels about the true nature of his reality and his role in the war against controllers. Matrix, Keanu Reeves. That, <laughs> um, did we ask you to say it in the style of uh, a drunken Christopher Walken? It doesn't matter. He's correct. Well done, Ronnie Levine. I couldn't... Uh... I could not suspend my disbelief on the Matrix. I mean, I believe that there is a alternative computer Matrix that we all live in. I just couldn't yeah. believe that the uh, savior of our world would be Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I'm with that, you. That was- I, I, I'm on an island with the Matrix, or no? Maybe you and I are on the same island, Matt. No, I love. I think the it's Matrix. one. Of, I think it's one of the most over terrific premise. Yes. I think it's one of the most overrated movies oh. ever, mainly because hot of hot take. I like it. Listen yeah, to film. He, listen he, to film spotting podcast. He can't. They have a for good those thing on it. for the people. I don't want to get off on a rant here because that's Maddie's job. But for the people who <laughs> think that Keanu Reeves can act, just watch the scene in Speed with Sandra Bullock when at the end he decides he's going to jump the stupid subway. I'm going to jump the tracks. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, he's got <laughs> some hurts bad, my brain. He's got some bad line readings in his career. I'm an FBI agent. <laughs> That's right. Johnny That sounded like Andy Samberg's imitation of... Hold uh, on. Let uh, me do my... I actually do... do, it, do yeah, I do, do a really good... Hold on. I do a really good Keanu Reeves. Okay. Hey, you kids. <laughs> I'm in my basement because I'm going to get you. <laughs> You're going to kill me, but I'll haunt you in your dreams. Wow. From a deleted scene of The Matrix. Thank you. All right, uh, here we go. Um, well, I don't have the year on this one. Um, this yeah, you're gonna get it anyway. Here we right, go. Here We're we back go. in the okay. dream machine. You like it in the dream machine. And here's the here's the movie. When a man goes for virtual vacation memories on the planet Mars, an unexpected and harrowing series of events forces him to go to the planet for real, or does he? This film is one of my favorite films and, and awesome. has one of my favorite lines. One of the worst, talk about bad line readings, hmm. is when uh, Arnold is talking to Sharon Stone on the floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, big continuity mistake because he grabs her. His hands are bloody. He grabs her by the shoulders. She's not wearing a shirt. Mm-hmm. And her shoulders have no blood on it, but then he holds his hands up and they're all bloody. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> he delivers a line in that scene. He goes, and there's guys there and they tried to kill me, but I killed 
them. <laughs> <laughs> thank it's you, great. Arnold. Terrific. Total recall, of course. I, and uh, thank you for a show and tell. Oh, yes, correct. Absolutely right. Well done, Maddie Blake. You blab, Queen. Total. You blabbed about Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Great movie. We're up to the last one. This is kind of hard, but Ronnie, I have, Come faith, on, Ronnie. I have faith in you. Take it home. Um, and here we go from... I don't have the year on this one either. Sorry. After a car wreck on a windy road renders a woman amnesiac, she and a perky Hollywood hopeful search for clues and answers across Los Angeles I got in a twisting venture beyond dreams and reality. I got this. Oh, man. Do you want me to look up the year for you? It'll take... Just nineties, nineties, mid, early nineties, or if not mid, it trying to might blank. be late actually. Nineties, it was uh, two thousand one. Like I said, two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> might be nineties. Wait, late that movie 90s. was in early nineties. Wow, I swore that. Yeah, was I'm in looking 90s. at it right here. Uh, uh, presuming uh, you're right, Maddie Blake, you could be bluffing. He could no, be I, bluffing. I right. know this movie. Do it. Do it, it is uh, Mulholland Drive. That's right. Ah. Maddie Blake for the win. We'll give it to you. Congratulations. Uh, listen. I'm not saying that I agree with this, but if you're a type of fellow that likes to watch two ladies uh, become intimate, this is a good movie for you. Really? There's a great sex scene between the two <laughs> two, wow. two ladies. Go on. I've heard. Have you seen Bound? Oh, yeah. Great movie. Great no. movie. Jennifer, a- Jennifer Tilly and Gina oh, Gerson. Oh, great Gina cinematography yeah. in that. And I think Joe Pantaleone was in it, too. But, he uh, is. Yep. I, somehow I don't remember his character as much. <laughs> Yeah, sounds, genus. sounds from your description more like no pantaleone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so, uh, yeah, anyway, you should see Bound. Bound is actually a good movie, kind of a, a thriller, thriller, mystery, uh, backstabbing right. kind of thing. And Gina Gerson and Jennifer Tilly get down. Thank All you. right, I'll see it. I hope you enjoyed Monster Media. Great job, David. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right, and we'll just do uh, Monster Mail. You can just hit the thing, and we'll come out yeah. cold. You want to? Yep. Yeah, that was I'm, awesome. Bethany. That was. Was awesome. that all right? Oh we my had god, dude! It's so it's many like, laughs in this oh episode. Yeah, is yeah. Out of control. That's great. And it's great. If we're having fun, they're having fun. Absolutely. So yep. Roll. Okay, so you just want me to hit the? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Now it's time for Monster Mail. Well, as indicating our growth, Ronnie, uh, as our monster mail, because we are jammed. We got to just get a fly through there. We got literally like 50 pieces of mail here, oh, wow. both from for both from social media and regular, but we'll just go through some of the highlights. Uh, Will Noonan, comedian in Boston. Ah, the man. Great comedian. Um, he posted a picture. He was on, in spring training for the Red Sox spring training. Down another, in Florida. Yep. Another comedian friend of mine, Jimmy Dunn, they were doing a pop-up comedy uh, venue for Red Sox fans during spring training. Oh, that's so great. So they performed, you know, kind of Boston-centric comedy for any fans that happen to be there watching spring training. And Will posted a picture in Florida of an orb, basically. And when I asked him about it, I said, was it moving? Was it? And he said, I don't know. I took the picture. I, I didn't see it till after I took the picture. Oh, wow, like so many photos. And man. I said, that's been happening to us time and time, wow. time again. It happened to our own Ronnie LeBlanc. LeBlanc. You know, <laughs> take pictures and you don't see it. And then you go back and look. It happened in Lemonster. Yeah. With Florida, this girl no. that's in it. So it's a weird thing going on where people aren't seeing it with the naked eye, but then they're looking at the picture going, like, wow. what the hell is that thing in the sky? So thank you, Will, for sending us that. In regards to... Last week's, uh, two episodes ago, where I ranted myself into a corner, 
Uh, a lot of people were commenting about my. I did two rants that episode. You did three, I think. I did three. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That's it. three strikes are out. Uh, Jackie L says, "Wow, Maddie, love when you vent." By the way, I agree with you, Lori. Oh, you know what? Can we have some music? I feel like we need male music playing in the background. Mm. Something like I don't know. But what did I rant? Oh, I ranted about YouTube. YouTube celebrities. Remember that? Yep. Yes. And uh, oh, a movie. A movie that I said was overrated. Silence of the Lambs. Right. Thank you. All right, here we go. Mail music. Lori M, not going to lie. I would listen to Ronnie feed Maddie topics so Maddie could rant. That's a whole entire podcast in itself. <laughs> uh, prop hackies. Prop, prop hackies. At the Maddie Blake, I love listening to your rants, not only because they're highly amusing, but you have some great points on some of them. Well, well, well. Jim Keeney on, on my YouTube rant, uh, my kids only watch YouTube families filming their lives with an iPhone. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> on E. Seti, our guest uh, from E. Seti, the head of E. Seti, James Gilliland. Um, Aaron, about a year ago, I met Kid Rock. <laughs> Name drop. <laughs> Picked him up off his private jet and drove him to an undisclosed location, not Monsterland. He asked what kind of music I like. Oh, Aside, in this episode, I went off on a music rant. We yes. talked about the magpie. Right. Uh, what kind of music? And and producer Dave's game was all music themed. So that's what Aaron is talking about. Uh, met Kid Rock, picked him up in his jet, brought him to his closed location. He said, what kind of music do you like, Aaron? And I told him I like some good old hard rock and roll. So he put on a song called She's a Witch by Monster Truck. They're like the Black Crows on steroids. First of all, Aaron, the Black Crows are the Black Crows on steroids. <laughs> uh, there's a lyric that goes, that girl got a demon in her soul. I mean, can you get better synchronicity than that? Monster Truck? And they're similar to Maddie's favorite band? Uh, cool stories. I was listening to your Monster Media segment. Listen to the song. It's pretty badass. I did check out Monster Truck. They definitely do rock. Oh, they're cool. heavy. Um, cool. The vocalist does a little bit of like the, you know, oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, Aaron also said that for paranormal songs, honorable mentions, how about, Maddie, how did you miss it? She talks to angels. Is that ah. girl on drugs? Is she have a mental illness? Or is she actually seeing spirits and talking to angels? Wow. Great call, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, Maddie C. Uh, there you go. She, um, she talks to angels. It's right there in the title, right? Yeah. I think, well, actually, it's funny. Chris, Chris Robinson, the singer of the song, wrote the lyrics to this. And uh, I assume that Rich wrote the riff because he writes all the riffs or the majority of them. Right. Um, but Chris has talked about what this song was about in terms of who the subject was. And there's a girl in the Atlanta club scene back in the day that he always saw. And she was kind of goth and always looked depressed and moping around the club scene. with the So he just saw her and she inspired him to write that song. Oh, wow. Uh, Maddie C. says, y'all missed Synchronicity 2 by the police. It talks about the growing size, power, proximity to humanity of seemingly unconnected energy beings in the song Nessie. As humanity gets more and more involved in themselves and disconnected from each other in the spiritual realm, etc. Way to go, Matt wow. Castingway. That's great. Old friend. Maddie used to uh, produce, I used to have a show on this upstart golf network called the Back Nine Channel. Mm -hmm. And it was called Off Par with Maddie Blake, and Maddie was one of my producers. Super oh, creative wow. guy, super funny, and he loves Monsterland. So thanks for listening, Maddie. Sweet. Lori! says, I'd like to add my honorable mention, Come Sail Away by Styx. I thought they were angels, but to my surprise, we climbed aboard their starship. We headed for the skies. Wow. I Lori, I never even heard that. Yeah, that song. I never re even visualized those lyrics like that. By the way, <clears throat> what a great song. Oh, classic. Listen to this. Timeless. I 
Wow, who knew? Set an open course for the virgin sea. There he is. Life. Why does every word have to be life enunciated? <laughs> great song and great call, Lori. Um, oh, he, oh. he also went on to write about robots. <laughs> Let's not yeah, forget, that's right? Mr. Roboto. <laughs> of course, yeah. Mister. I have a really seventies uh, story. <laughs> like this is the most seventies moment you could possibly have. Uh, so I grew up, you know, half seventies mostly 80s as far as right. my youth but i was like you know well all of the 70s basically i was born in 71 but so i'm kind of split between the 70s and 80s but in the 70s we moved to florida for a year and i found myself at my father's boss's son's house and they're like go play you know in the 70s dad was just like go play while we smoke and drink and uh <laughs> sorry dad and uh <laughs> i was in this kid's and he had a black light of and course it was, and it was all those black velvet velvet yeah Posters, the Hendrix doors. And, yes, and he's like Led Zeppelin. He's like he's a Florida kid. He's got the long hair, and he's yeah. like, "You gotta hear this song, man. You gotta hear this." He was like, a, he was like Tom Petty. He was like a ten-year-old yeah. Tom Petty. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, you "Gotta hear this song, man." And he had a tr- pet tarantula, mm-hmm. and he goes, "All right, it's defanged." And I, I next thing I know is a tarantula crawling up my arm. I'm like eight years old. And he starts playing Renegade by Sticks, but he had the hi-fi stereo speakers, like mm. super tall, and the room was literally vibrating <laughs> with Renegade by Sticks. You picture that song, all black lights, black velvet posters, and a tarantula crown my arm. Good Lord. That's the most 70s moment you can have. <laughs> that's that's uh, part almost famous and, and part uh, yeah. Home Alone, the, the creepy <laughs> older brother with the <laughs> spider. Yes, totally. Um, we have a correction. So I don't know if we have some... Do we have a correction sound effect or something? I keep throwing these things uh, at you, David. Eraser, uh, eraser sound, maybe? <laughs> when, I, I, uh, we need some... some when, we, when we screw uh, up. It's going to happen rarely. The correction song, strangely, is Come Sail Away by oh, Styx. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's called producing. Uh, Rick H. says, Guys, as a ravenous fan of Iron Maiden, <laughs> I must say Bruce Dickinson is not gay. Nor does he sing for Jewish priests. Oh was, my God! It was hard to tell if you guys are joking or not. Rob Halford sings for Judas Priest, and he's the and one he's that came gay. up being gay. Yeah. So we besmirched. Well, not that it's a besmirchment. If you're gay, that's awesome. We celebrate that. Uh, but Bruce Dickinson is not gay. We 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 confuse lead singers of heavy metal bands. Right. Which is very easy to do. I mean, Bruce Dickinson, Rob Halford. It's not like you know we're comparing Bruce Springsteen to Mozart. Like they're <laughs> they're kind of in the same right. So Springsteen uh, to Liberace probably would have been better. Thank better, you, yeah, thank you, just thank a, you. Are you st- are you talking shit about Liberace, my hero? <laughs> no, he's fabulous. Do you know what Liberace did? Because I watched that documentary <laughs> about Liberace on HBO. Where wait, the documentary or the? I mean the movie, behi- the, the movie behind the candelabra. Yes, with did you watch Damon that? Of course, yeah, it was excellent. Ronnie, I, did no. you know what he did? No. <laughs> like he had his lover. He had his lover. <laughs> Played by Matt Damon in the movie, but this is all, all right. real. Mm. He had him have plastic surgery to look like a young him. Yeah. Whoa. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. Think about that. What? That's like saying to your wife, hey, listen, see this picture of me at 21? Go get some work done. Yeah, it's, I, I want to like, look at that. 
That's like crazy. what? It's like Nicholson as the Joker doing the creepy plastic surgery on his wife, wife yes. Batman, right? Like, but even worse, because so, like you're making love to yourself, right? Well, that's why Mick Jagger married, uh, which I do on a weekly basis. But that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mick Jagger married. Uh, was it Jerry Hall? Was that his first wife? Mick Jagger. Yes, anyway. yes, yes. The blonde, the tall and blonde. She kind of yeah. looked like him. She did. And he, he, he I think he actually I mean, said, I, I, "I want to know what it was. Lo- it would be like to make love with myself." <laughs> oh my god, it's <laughs> so disturbing. Yeah, many uh, levels. I, sometimes I wonder if you live with someone, you start to look like them. Like I feel like mm. Yoko and I are starting to look like each other. Poor, poor girl. <laughs> All right, uh, on our guest, Jeff Woolwine, uh, Aaron says, I just learned about sky jellyfish. Now, J- Jeff Woolwine said that if you listened last week, if you didn't, go back and check it out. He says, UFOs are not craft. They are living creatures. Entities, creatures. Yeah. Uh, just learned about sky jellyfish, bioluminescent natural animals that live in the upper atmosphere. So listening to Jeff give his theory gave this some credit. You guys should open up a case file on this subject. Let's let's do that next week. Look into sky no, jellyfish. No, it just brought up in my mind that comment was uh, the tether incident. There's a NASA video yes, 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 yes. of the tether incident and these creatures, these craft that are approaching the tether, which is supposed to be a mile long. They got detached it's by huge, the ISS. Right? Yeah, um, these things started showing up around it, and I think I even mentioned saying. This looks like they're underwater almost. Yes, they look like jellyfish. Yeah. They do. And so it kind of falls to this whole theory that maybe this, there's something to it. They look like jellyfish. You know what else they look like? Orbs. Yeah. They're pulsating. Right. They're round. Yep. All different sizes, moving at different speeds. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, look that up, monsters. Uh, the tether incident, NASA. It's on YouTube that you can find it. Um on the recent Mothman sightings and an article about an Illinois winged being, Penny S. says, guys, it's the Mothman species that has been sighted near water in Chicago. They like water. That I didn't know about the Mothman. I didn't yeah. know that they liked water. Although I do remember that was another thing that was connected to power plants or nuclear plants in the original mm. Mothman, right? And, and John well, Keel yeah, said they were- Point they were, Pleasant, West Virginia, and power yeah. plants need to be by water. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So maybe it's maybe it's one of the, maybe, anyway. Right. Um, David, do we have rim shots? Be more specific. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, um. if you could cue one up, please. You're going to need it sure. twice. You want a drum roll or a rim shot? A uh, rim shot. A uh, rim shot. You mean like this? Yes. Okay. On uh, our rank- Now I'm ready, man. <laughs> On a Ranker Suck article, yes, we posted a Ranker article about uh, skunk, skunk ape terrorizing the Everglades currently. Multiple witnesses reports that a skunk ape a, is terrorizing the Everglades. Barbara S. says... Wow, sounds like my ex. <laughs> Joey B one upped her. Well, that stinks. <laughs> Way to go, monsters. Uh, I lost the address <laughs> of this uh, email, Ronnie. I don't know who sent it, so if you sent it, I'm sorry. Someone sent us a link to an article. Did you guys see this? And it was an NBC Nightly News story about a man swept into a whale's mouth oh, yeah. and lived to tell the tale. Jonah and the whale. I, that's the first. Of course, everyone I was thought thinking of it. Pinocchio. Oh, oh right. Oh yeah. In Geppetto. Oh, was sure. it just Pinocchio in there? Uh, Pinocchio. They both yes. Yeah, yeah. Pinocchio. Just, yeah. Um, but you know, again, it's like everyone says, "Well, the Bible's metaphor. The Bible's metaphor," and it very well may be. And the Psalms are very metaphorical and they're poetry, basically. Right. But 
you know, stories like that and other stories in the Bible, have, are, people are starting to go like, well, there's something to that. We're starting to find out some of these and things might have been it true. interesting that we're heading into the apocalypse and these things that are part of the Bible are kind of popping up? If know? indeed we are, it is right? weird, like things. But just the fact that it's just a metaphor for me that when when people just spout off like, well, that's this and that's this and that's fake and that's story, you know, a guy got swallowed by a whale and right. survived. So there's precedent, you know, so it's just a, it's just a, a symbol for me of, of to not jump to predetermined conclusions in your mind about any story. And, um, boy, we've got more to get to. We should wrap it up. We've been talking for like literally four hours. <laughs> Wait a minute, Maddie. Is that a spider on your arm? <laughs> I wasn't high. I was eight. <laughs> that would have scared the crap out of me. Too. Oh, dude, I still remember like it was yesterday. All right. Uh, thank so you, great. Monsters. Sorry we ran a little bit long, but hey, it's a podcast. You can pause it and go it's back what we later. Do. Uh, we got a lot of great shows coming up. Like I said, the the artist connection to all this coming up. Also, a great podcaster, legend in the business. Brian Frangie will be coming and joining us. Next episode, we got Andy Grant, who's going to be in studio, which is going to be awesome. He's just, uh, part of the Modern Mystery School, and he's going to do an Akashic reading. He's going to read our past lives, basically? or the He's going to talk about this. Book of yeah. Lives? Yes, the Book of Life. Yeah. All right. Uh, for Producer David. Thank for you, For Ronnie LeBlanc. And our guest, the wonderful Kathy Strain. Monsters, we will see you next time. Next week, definitely Ronnie's ectoplasm. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Monsterland Podcast. If you or someone you know has an experience to share, or if you have questions, you can reach us at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Find us on social media at Monsterland Pod. Until we meet again in Monsterland. Mostly because he's racist. <laughs>